welcome to The Apple of Truth, a currently weekly podcast where we cover every episode of Lucifer while exploring plot holes and admiring the guyliner, all with love for the show and its creators. I'm Lina. And I'm Vero. And today we're covering Lucifer Season 1, Episode 7, Wingman. We are here to thank again our patrons. And if you are a patron and you are not on our exclusive Patreon Discord, or you're not sure how to get there, do give us a poke because we somehow managed to send out our welcome emails without the much-needed link. Also, before we get into the episode, we are now halfway through season one, so we are getting ready for something of a feedback episode, where we will be reading out some emails from you, our listeners. So if you have any questions, comments, complaints or compliments, do send them to lucifer at taot-podcast.com or DM us on Twitter, Patreon, Instagram or Facebook. We are excited to hear from you. And hopeful, because if we don't hear from you, then there's not going to be much of a feedback episode and it's going to end up with just Vero and me getting shit-faced. Well, that's going to happen anyway. And talking even more weird stuff for an hour or something. And we're not going to edit it then, and then you're just going to listen to our weird ramblings for 60 minutes or something. Are you threatening our listeners, Lena? Of course. Good, I wasn't sure. What else can I do? What else I can do is talk about the wonderful summaries that I had this time. Ooh, straight into it. Yes, let's get straight into it. The IMDb summary is Lucifer gets help from an unlikely source while trying to find the contents of his stolen container. Chloe uncovers a vital clue, Mm -hmm. which is not wrong, but also completely leaves out any relevance for the Palmetto stuff as usual. So IMDb very focused on one side. Amazon UK is very, very similar, just completely leaves out the Chloe part. It reads... In an attempt to find the contents of a stolen container, Lucifer enlists the help of an unlikely ally. And the hilarious thing is, the German text is a super, super shit translation of the English one. And it's so bad that the help of an unlikely ally in German implies that the ally himself is already looking for the wings. So it's completely garbled. Oh. And it, as usual, the German title focuses on the part that the other descriptions did not focus on because the German title for this episode is The Case Palmetto. That just doesn't make any sense. Why would you call it that? Because Chloe discovers a relevant piece of information for the case Palmetto, but it completely ignores the entire Lucifer story part. And I mean, Wingman, as much as I hate the title because it's a fucking pun. It's so good! I know you love it. I hate it. Ah. But it plays into every level of the episode. Because Dan is the wingman for Chloe. And Amenadiel is the wingman for Lucifer. And it's about the wings. And and yeah, and I'm just like... I know! And Lucifer is actually the wingman. Episode name is amazing once again finally said by lucifer because the last few episodes someone else name dropped the episode name that's sadly all i have for facts and fun the episode didn't give me much there's not gonna be attention i'm sorry anywho let's get right into it previously on very quickly recapping mainly the last episode we have a missing container reminding us to return to hell We are reminded of Palmetto shooting, finally, because we have been hinting at this since the pilot. And ignoring it the last few episodes. Exactly. 
just to build up the tension, we have a guy jumping off a roof and Lucifer saying that someone's got his wings. I really like that the recap ends with the final scene of the last episode. It really feels you could skip the recap while you're binging and you have a seamless transition. Which is really great as well because we were talking a lot about the emotions that we were left with after the last episode and this just kind of throws us straight back into it. Reactivates us what was happening last week if you're not in a position to binge the entire thing. And we start the first scene with a song. The song is called Talking Buddy. Mace sure lets her body talk. And not just herself, you know. She has a beautiful dancer on the table in front of her. And it's by Tovello and it's remixed by Young Professionals. I must confess I completely ignored the music because Mace flirting across the room. <gasps> Hot. Holy shit. And I'm not sure if you noticed, but I was watching the guy... I was like, where the fuck do I know his face from? So I did a bit of Googling and his name is Hal Oshan. I am very much probably mispronouncing his name. However, his character's name here is Sergei and he was on Supernatural. No. Yes, he is in... Who was he on Supernatural? Season 5, do you remember the man witch who was playing cards for the years? That's him. I did not recognize him. Oh my god. To me, it was instant. I was like, ah, that's the man witch. I was focused on Mace, sorry. Yeah, to be fair, I did a rewatch of the first five seasons of Supernatural relatively recently. So it was fresh in your mind. Relatively, yes. But talking about Sergei, that dude must have balls the size of a mountain to simply follow Maze up into the penthouse without any actual conversation. She didn't flick her finger at him. She didn't wave. She didn't do anything. She just looked at him, ate the thingy very suggestively and walked up the stairs and looked at him again. I suck at flirting, so I'm sorry. I'm a person like, would you like to have the sex with me? <laughs> That's my way of flirting. So I would not have read her behavior as follow me up the stairs into the private penthouse of the owner. So I was very much impressed by his audacity. Mace has all the power in that scene. She definitely does. And I do like her pushing him under to basically guide him to service her and then just keeps him down there. She was made to torture, so... That's what I wonder. She was. I do wonder if she was made to be a torturer. With what goal in mind were demons created in this lore? This is nothing that we can answer now, but I, I, I wonder. From the information that we have so far, I would say they're been made to one, keep company in hell, and two, to actually physically proceed with the torture in hell. I hope we learn more. Yeah. Because depending on the lore that you can read up on, Lucifer didn't fall alone. There's a whole of potential things, but we don't know anything yet, so I'm not gonna go into more speculations. But I'm curious. I want to know more. How did demons come to be in this lore? Who made them? Did God make them or did someone else make them? Well, one thing we know for sure, Mace is not a fallen angel. Yeah, she's not an angel. Way too early. We're not even done with season one so I'm highly doubtful that I'm gonna get backstory on the origins of side characters. You never know. Yeah you never know but I'm not holding my breath for it. Okay 
we can move on to the precinct. And first notes that I have made is fuck Malcolm, he looks like a trash. Because as we transfer to the precinct, we see Malcolm's picture. Oh, we see his picture. And I look at him and immediately went, what a trash human being. It's the beard. You mean the moustache? Yeah, it's the moustache. Yep. Also, it's the eyes. It's the look that he has in his eyes. He just looks like a piece of shit. One of the very first lines Chloe says is, do I wear a hate me sign or something? And I have to say, sometimes she wears a hate me expression on her face. But you only say it because you hate her. No, sometimes she's so focused on something else, so preoccupied. She doesn't have a resting bitch face. She has thinking bitch face. She has a a resting hate me face. Please do not like me. Instead of wearing a kick me sign, she has a please dislike me sign. Attached to her face or back or whatever. And I feel for her, but I also feel for the people around her because she does not make it easy to approach her, I feel. Which is understandable because everyone is a fucking asshole to her. Well, that's the question. Is that because of her previous life experience? I do wonder how she was before Palmetto. How her interaction with the other cops was before Palmetto Street. Let me add to it. Oh, God. Because I agree with Dan. Oh, this is not argumentation worthy. I agree with him as well. Usually you always argue with me when I agree with Dan. Yeah, but there's a difference in arguing because he's a piece of shit or arguing (laughs) just for the sake of arguing, which would be this case because he's not wrong. This is not... And I wrote it down as well. The uncovering of corruption is important, but... Not the punishment of the family. It's not the family's fault, exactly. So he's actually really good at the giving her the ultimatum. Look, take 24 hours. Don't think about anything else. Really get into it. But make your choice. Make your choice. In the end of the day, close the investigation. Come out with something. I did not expect you to be so agreeable on this. Why? Because in the last six episodes, every time Dan did something good, you disagreed with me on principle that's not true i was i'm not gonna say praising dan but if you just take the last episode i have pointed out numerous of positive things that he did let me rephrase in the first five episodes every time i pointed something positive out yeah but to be fair every time he did something positive in the first five episodes he instantly killed it he instantly did something completely shitty and put it into the negative so we really have to say this episode it's a good one for dan No, compared to the last few? Compared to the last few, yes. It's impressive. He so rarely puts his foot into his mouth. Yeah, but that being said, I question his motivation. But still, this is a very positive Dan episode compared to the six before. Because this time he doesn't instantly fuck up. Well, yeah, but at the same time, last episode he ended up on the positive note. And I really appreciated that. It was great. But this episode... I'm not really sure because I really do question his motivation at times. Because is he helping her because he wants to help her? Or is he helping her because he's trying to make sure that she's not going to find something he doesn't want her to find? That very often during this episode was my thinking. Every single time I watch this episode, I'm like, done. What's happening? Why are you so weird about the key? Why are you so weird about the things that are happening? And I start questioning that. I question your feelings. You always do. 
that's basically all I have. Though I want to say I also kind of agree with Chloe that she is not willing to let something rest when her gut tells her something's off. Because repeatedly this show has shown us that Chloe and her instincts are right. So it feels natural and good and logical to me as a viewer that when Chloe feels something is off, she refuses to back down. So I agree with both, which is a weird feeling. I know, because you don't love either of them. Exactly. Hmm. Might be something <laughs> to it. However, that beautifully segues us into the next scene, which I have a name for. Ooh. I call it Murder Floor. <laughs> what made me really happy, I love the word Luciferness. Oh, uh, yeah, that's true. Ah, uh, that's so nice. When she describes him, it's such a great word. Your whole Luciferness. That's a lovely description of Lucifer, yeah. <laughs> so that made me really, really happy. And also, I was quite happy with Lucifer because in the past, I have complained when any kind of character development, especially for Lucifer, was kind of reset in the beginning of episodes. So seeing him in scene three be competent in helping Chloe was really, really nice. And I can live with him, like, okay, I did my part. I can go back to being obsessed with myself. This feels natural to his current character development. So I was very happy. And we get to see the fact that they're actually, after we saw them bonding in the car last episode where Chloe actually admitted that she likes working with him, it's very much natural friendship coming in. And he's not a dick in the beginning of the episode just to learn his lesson again. And what I noticed about this scene is that Lucifer makes a pop culture reference which made me very happy he does yeah obviously he looks at chloe and asks her if she's upset because his spidey sense tells him so oh right i can see you hated it that's it for me for scene three I love how they build us up as viewers watching this scene. And I have to say, when she said someone who's not afraid to tell me when I'm wrong, mm -hmm. I did not think of a Manadil. I thought he was going to Mace when I first watched this. Oh, I honestly thought that they were going to work together and I didn't think of him going to anybody else until he left. I didn't expect him to work together with Chloe because he obviously didn't want to tell her about the wings. So I thought he was going back to Mace or maybe even possibly Linda. But I did not expect fucking Amenadiel to be his choice. It makes sense. It makes a lot of sense for him to go to him because he doesn't need to convince him about the gravity of the situation, why it's an issue. Yes. And their family. As much as they dislike each other, they're still family. Exactly. And if you're lucky, your blood family will at least have your back. Which is the case now. Exactly. Which is what's happening now. Well, at least it seems like it. Yeah. And spoiler to the very end. I did not see it coming that it was a manadiel who set this all up and I forgot it again. This time I didn't forget it. I forgot it first two times I watched it. It's a good reveal. It's a good plot twist. Yes. What I find super interesting is Amanadiel's outburst that he now has to do Lucifer's job, that he is the one patrolling the gates to keep souls from slipping out of hell. And this is the first time that we actually hear from someone what Lucifer's job entailed. I have to say... I'm confused because I did not expect the devil to patrol the gates. 
So I do wonder if Amenadiel simply is not willing to sit on Lucifer's throne and by that keeping the souls in hell and is only doing the least part that has to be done or if that was actually part of Lucifer's job. The way I understand it, for Lucifer being in hell, he brings a certain type of power which keeps everybody in there. And stability. And stability and the right or wrong light and darkness balance mm -hmm. balance is the word I was looking for by just being in there the balance of powers and since he's not there balance changes and a mini deal because not only he's trying to patrol hell or whatever the fuck he's doing but he is also spending a lot of time on earth trying to get Lucifer back to hell I found it interesting that we have like a glimpse yeah. at hell daily routine. As much as I like to dislike Amenadiel, I have to agree with his question, why keep the wings? For me, it makes no sense. Because you're not a sentimental person. Neither is Lucifer. Well, is he not? Oh, you think he's more sentimental than he lets on? And then he realizes as well. And it might be. And you're absolutely right. I'm not a sentimental person. So it's hard for me to get a read on that. I can live with that question and I want an answer for that one. Okay. Amenadiel said you wanted free will. Am I right in reading here that Amenadiel is implying Lucifer now has free will, the other angels don't? Yes. Because that is one of the questions that we have open. Is it? Yes. One of our questions from before, free will for angels, yes or no. Now I read it that Lucifer wanted free will and he fell and now he has free will and this for me, implies the other angels do not have free will. Yeah. This for me means that now we have an answer, at least for this one question. Yay! And I have another question. I would like an answer, but I would be surprised if you have one because I couldn't find one. Try me. Amenadiel says to Lucifer, you wanted accountability. When and why did Lucifer ever want accountability? That made no sense. Because we don't know everything that happened, so... Even lore-wise, it made no sense to me. So I'm baffled at what this could mean. And yes, I had to look up what accountability actually word for word means in German. Responsibility for your own actions is connected to the first sin. Wait, 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 wait. But accountability does not mean responsibility for your own actions. Free will does not play into accountability, or does it? That's actually, let me think about this. I think you're right. <laughs> That's a really good point. If we read accountability as only when you have free will, you can make your own choices. And only when you make your own choices, you can be held responsible for your own actions. And only then do we have accountability. Yes, I can live with this. Thank you. Point for Vero. <gasps> Woohoo! That, that was a tough one. No, because this really took me out of it. It was like, what? You're absolutely right. I accept this. This is now canon. Good. Thank you. I didn't even say much. I named this scene. The eyeliner is strong with this one. <laughs> yes, it was. I did not have titles for this one. My scene names are very descriptive. They're at the precinct, at the beach, at Lux. So, yeah. Scene five. 
Okay, getting into the palmetto case. Oh yeah. I found it interesting that while Chloe is second choice for Lucifer, Dan is second choice for Chloe. That was telling. Is he only the second choice because Lucifer was there when she thought of it? Or is he second choice because it's the only choice if Lucifer says no? I think given the opportunity, she would not have worked with Dan because of the past few episodes. But would she rather work with Dan than anybody else? in the forest. Yes, absolutely. But he's second after Lucifer. And it was just surprising that Amenadiel rated higher than Chloe, which probably is only because he didn't want to tell her about the fucking wings. I think he more likely knew exactly how she was going to react. And he has issues talking about this because he didn't do so the last episode. So he didn't want to start now. I like that Lucy is actually delivering relevant information here his point of view is relevant yeah because again as was said in the previous scene he is someone who's gonna be brutally honest even though chloe doesn't want to hear it but still his input is so great because he's like okay that makes no sense yeah and it very often is that if we are into something really really deep we don't see these things exactly you don't see the forest because of all the trees I do not know if this idiom exists in English. It does exist in German. Well, it does exist in English now, so... (laughs) So it's always nice to have the external personality who's there to point out these little things. And Dan doesn't really do anything there. He's mostly just there. Yeah, he's there. He gets relevant later in the episode. But in this moment... He's there to tell Chloe that she needs to let it go. Yes. In this scene, very much so. That's a big red flag for me. That he keeps insisting for Chloe to let it the fuck go. It felt for me so much in character because this is what he has done in pretty much every single episode. He always tried to pressure her to take the easy way, to take the quick way, to quickly close the case, to let it rest. And I complained about this in the past, how he can be such an incompetent cop, but it also feels at odds with his willingness to help her. Either you're in or you're not. Yeah. But make up your fucking mind. I feel like he's there at this moment to comfort her more than anything else. I feel like he's saving his position in her life because there's still the relationship issue. Yeah, I guess. This is one of the first moments where my brain started going to, is it really just him trying to be nice to Chloe or is there something else? You know, there is the first moment where this question was raised in my brain Mm. and it just felt a little bit too much. He pushed a little bit too hard on this. I can see where you're coming from. For me, it felt very much a character because he has done so in the past. What I was super happy with, how they solved it writing-wise to switch back to the Lucifer plot because Lucifer's quid pro quo approach I helped you, now you have to help me. Felt so, so natural to Lucifer's character. Yes. And I really liked the approach, how they utilized it in the writing. And I didn't go into the writer in the fun and facts part, because this is the first time we had this writer. He's gonna come back in the future. But I checked his credits, and he's gonna write a few more episodes in the future for Lucifer. Okay. So I'm really happy with the writing in this episode. It feels very seamless. Yes. This entire episode just flows really nicely. It flows, and it also fits in the so far established canon 
canon and narrative. Absolutely. We don't get any massive reveals in this episode. There's a lot of teasing. Yeah, we don't get nearly as emotional as we got last episode, but it just feels right. It feels utterly natural. Everything fits greatly together. Everything flows. I was very, very happy with the writing here. And I'm sorry I didn't write down the name of the writer, but he's gonna come back. So when he comes back, I will then be like, yeah, that's the dude who wrote episode seven. It was really nicely written. Mm -hmm. So in the future, I'm gonna be referencing this. Okay, so in the middle of this scene we get the flashback where Chloe describes what happened. And we see it while she describes it. Oh, and Malcolm looks at her and it's so creepy. No, because when you said that his picture yeah. made him look like... The way he looks at her when he spots her behind the glass window. Yeah. There is a song. And the song that we get there is called Before the Light Takes Us. It's by Darkness Falls. So Darkness Falls, Before the Light Takes Us, that alone makes me raise my eyebrow. I like it. I enjoy it. I do like it, but it still makes me go like, hmm? uh, What are you saying there, music providers? Basically. <laughs> like, okay, the title wasn't enough. The band name also had to fit. Yep. But so the way she describes it, I absolutely cannot blame her for not wanting to drop this because this entire scene, it just doesn't make any fucking sense. Yes. And Lucifer points it out. It just... Oh. And again, I wrote down, Dan is being suspiciously dickish about it. He's dickish about it, I agree. So it just that moment was kind of connected with a couple of different things and emotions that went throughout this all episode for me. There's a lot of flags yeah. that get raised absolutely there. And actually, Dunn receives a phone call and he asks, did you really put out an APB for Angel Wings? And because I've seen a lot of cup shows over the years, so I know what APB means, but I have never actually went into it to figure out what it stands for. So I did this time. It stands for all points bulletin which is a broadcast issued from any american or canadian law enforcement agency to its personnel or to other law enforcement agencies it typically contains information about a wanted suspect who is to be arrested or person of interest for whom law enforcement officers are to look also, there is another way to say this. You can use BOLO. I did not know that BOLO and APB was used for the same. Pretty much it is. BOLO I know also from different shows and stuff. And that stands for BE ON THE LOOKOUT. Seriously? Yes. <sighs> Thank you for ruining those acronyms. <laughs> You're welcome. BOLO is BE ON THE LOOKOUT? Yes. An APB All Points Bulletin. All Points Bulletin. APB is way better than BOLO. <laughs> oh my god, that's just... Oh, that's so bad. Thank you. I always wonder what it means because every time it gets said, I always knew what it actually meant, but I never knew what it actually meant. So there you go. Now we all know. Now we all know <laughs> and now it's ruined forever. Thank you. Okay, we are transferring to the next scene with another song that is called... Get Some Freedom by Big Data featuring Dragonette. And Get Some Freedom plays while we see the fucking wings on a fucking tablet. And holy shit, the picture of those wings looks amazing. Chloe referenced, are you into cosplay or something? And I do have cosplay friends and oh boy, if they had access to wings like that, yeah. 
the whole understanding of the universe would change if I had wins like that. I have a note that I do not recall why I made it. Maybe you can explain it to me. I have in quotation marks, so I assume it's a quote. Absurdly fraudulent company. He is looking at the picture and the other items on the list of the auction are... Absurdly fraudulent company. Thank you. Yes. And again, I am fully on board that Chloe is much more competent than Lucifer wants her to be or like lets her be in how he talks with her because he tells her like, yeah, yeah, of course, I'm gonna let it rest and he walks off and Chloe's face, the last second that we see her face tells us that she knows exactly what's gonna happen. So when she later turns up at the auction, it's utterly non-surprising to me because in this moment, we can read it in her face that she's gonna do it. And I really, really like this episode because it gives every character that shows up a confirmation on their character. Mm -hmm. So I'm extremely happy. Okay, fair. Yeah, you're right. So Lucifer gets into the auction and as he's walking in, a mini deal shows up. I find it very interesting that apparently Lucy can sense when a Manadil is near. Well, it would kind of make sense because even at the beach, he's asking Ames to turn on the Anjali sensation for Divine. Yeah, but still, I find it interesting that angels apparently can sense each other without looking at each other. It's really cool. Lucifer so generously offers pay shitloads of money for his wings. And then I kind of realize, I mean, he's been around for five years. And he gives a lot of favors. But how does he make money? He gets services. Lux is losing money. Yeah. We learned that. So Lux is losing money. Yeah, but I think that his favors. But favors suggest for this to be more of a, how do you call it? Ah, fuck, I had the word in my head. It suggests for it to be a thing to do more than a money to pay. So how does Lucifer get his money? That's a very good question. I simply assumed that he uses some of his favors for monetary gain, but it's a good question. We're gonna put it in the list. Do they just steal? No. But all right, I put it in the questions. Where does Lucifer get his money from? So now we have that. I now have to do my proper complaints. I have a thing written down that I'm expecting you to ask me. So go on and I am hoping. I don't have a question. I only have a complaint. Well, okay. Let's see. Lucifer calling a manadil his wingman. <gasps> it's so good. Just no. Yes. No. Yes. <laughs> In case you're one of the rare persons who has not listened to the last six episodes, Lena does not like puns. However, she likes to speak of herself in a third person. Sometimes, I'm sorry. That's a new thing. It was like that narration. So that made me just go like, oh no, seriously. And again, we have a return of the coin for which I have already gone onto an extensive tangent. So I will not do so again. See, I expected you to ask me why is Lucifer not using his powers? Because the person at the door does not have the weight to let them in because this event has more security in place. Okay. Which we see later on with the way over top firepower in the room. When everyone is drawing a fucking gun. Plus, Lucifer has issues that I'm gonna go into in the next scene. That is a very reasonable explanation that I did not have. 
prepared for this question. That's why I didn't have the question. <laughs> I just simply went with Lucifer trying to show Amenadiel how to deal with humans on a human level. Yes, that is definitely one of the motivations because you can see him trying to bribe his way in and when it doesn't work, he very much like, oh fuck, now I have to perform in front of my brother. Yeah, and it's a lot about... Oh, I'm so confident. I know exactly what I'm doing. Oh, fuck, it didn't work. What should I do? What should I do? What should I do? Exactly. And then coming up with a creative solution without using his powers deliberately. So he can show Amenadiel that he understands humanity. Better than Amenadiel does. Because this is a repeated nagging point that Amenadiel does not understand humanity as well as Lucifer does. Exactly. So we go back to the evil auction. I kept everything together that happened at the auction because I'm a lazy person so you keep saying sometimes I do have questions some are expectant of an answer some are not feel free to try and answer any of those that you feel like Okay. Question one. We later learn that Carmen has already gazed at the wings. So how is it possible that he is still so calm in Lucifer's presence? Hmm. I'm just gonna brush it off to a denial here. That is the only thing that makes sense to me right now. The reactions he has later on are so strong that in retrospect, it made no sense to me that he was so calm. My next question is, why is Lucifer that compliant with Carmen? The wave of the hand that Carmen does to wave them off after the escalation with the guns is extremely condescending. And even in the last episode, while Lucifer was already aware how vulnerable he is, he did not take to certain treatments. So for me, the whole interaction between Carmen and Lucifer, this is the only part of writing in this episode I do not like because I do not agree and follow it. Yeah, I think if we look at the situation, the way it's described and, and what's happening there, I'm gonna say, and take this with the reservation, that Lucifer, over time, he's not sure what can he let on in front of Amenadiel, what he can let on in front of all those people there. I'm getting there. In that moment, all the guns there are posing an actual threat to his life at that moment. And to me, because he's not really sure what is the entire impact on his powers, what is actually happening to the details, because he didn't actually go into research mode yet. He hasn't gotten hurt again since he got hurt. Yeah, so he doesn't really know what are the rules and how far his powers are working and not working so in this moment to me it kind of is that he is rather gonna take a step back because this is potentially a very very dangerous situation to him i can live with that it is a stretch no 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 i don't even feel like it's a stretch but what i found interesting because i agree with you in lengthy parts. So basically I just want an agree, I, I hope for an agreement from you. It was not part of Lucifer's plan that Amenadiel learns about his newfound mortality. I don't think it was part of his plan, but I don't think he realized what it actually means. The impact it's gonna have on the relationship. I felt like Lucifer was fully aware of how fundamental this reveal was to Amenadiel, especially with the, this means I only have to wait for you to die to go back to hell. And this is what made for me clear that Lucifer had not intended for Amanadiel to learn about this. 
yeah, from his reaction, I personally saw it as oh fuck, I didn't realize that I'm giving him this piece of information because it just feels like he's annoyingly telling him, oh yeah, this happened and I bled. How cool is that? What's so not cool is Lucifer was not aware that him being mortal means he goes back to hell. Yeah, that is what I mean. And Tom Ellis' face when Amanadiel tells him that the devil goes back to hell when he dies, I felt so sorry for him. Mm-hmm. That's why I thought that he didn't think the thru- the information through. He didn't think the whole thing through. I fully agree on that one. Also, as they're walking through the auction, this song's starting to play, Ooh. which is called Getting Surreal. <laughs> it's by The Fratellis. But yes, absolutely perfect name of the song. I do have two descriptive observations. Mm. I find it very, very interesting that Amenadiel's behavior in the room with Carmen and all the other people is a mirror image of how arrogant Lucifer was in the first few episodes before he became mortal. Mm -hmm. And Lucifer is not a fan of that. So it's very much you growing as a person and then seeing someone who is still like five steps behind you and being annoyed by their failure to not have grown as much as you have. Because they have not had certain experiences yet, which is utterly unrational, but still very understandable. So I really, really enjoyed that. And I also enjoyed the brother bonding moment when they joke about St. Paul's. Yeah. That they both forget for a moment what is at stake, where they are, what the strife is between the two of them. And it felt very authentic. Very organic. Organic, thank you. That's the word. So I extremely enjoyed that moment. Yeah, it was beautiful. And I say there is definitely a potential for friendship if they were not friends in the past. Okay, also speaking of family, is eyeliner a family trademark? Because I'm pretty sure Amenadiel is wearing an eyeliner here. I'm pretty sure it's an angel trademark. So it is a family trademark. Exactly, because they're all related. But I'm really curious if and when we meet other angels, if they wear as much eyeliner as they do. Because yes, I agree with you. I found it cute that Lucifer was not happy with Chloe and Ames getting along. Well, obviously. You don't want your new friend and your worst enemy to become friends. Exactly. And also, you do have a sister. Yeah. And when you meet a new interesting person, you do not want to share that new interesting person with anyone else, especially not a fucking sibling, because growing up with a fucking sibling, it's normal that they take shit away from you. Yeah. I was extremely unhappy and my note is all in caps. How the fuck is it possible that Lucifer did not realize the wings weren't real? Well, I'm gonna just assume that he couldn't tell from the distance and he so desperately wanted them to be real. Okay, that part I can agree. But they repeatedly talk about the wings being part of divinity. There should have been an effect on the entirety of the room. Well, there was. Not in the amount that we see later on on Carmen. Basically, I would have expected someone to burst into flames or something on the reveal of the wings, the way Amenadiel made it sound. Yeah, but that didn't happen later either, so... I was disappointed with the retcon. I was not disappointed how the whole setup of the scene helps Chloe figure out her case. 
I feel like this was really well done. Again, brownie points to the writer. And final note, I was disappointed, even though I understand it, that Lucifer abandons Chloe. Yeah, same thing. It made utter sense. I still felt bad. Yes. It's a huge progress to the last few episodes, because this time it felt organic. Like you said before, this whole episode has this organic feel, and every reaction and interaction and decision is so in character even though it might make me uncomfortable like Maze with the torture in the beginning and now Lucifer with the abandonment of Chloe. I'm still sad but I can live with it because it makes sense. Yeah. Those are my emotions. And I absolutely agree with them. This is a perfect moment that describes both of our main characters' personalities and their relationship in the end of the day. So that's everything being said in the scene. There's nothing else really that we could add to it so we can go back to palmetto street where dan surprisingly he stumbles upon a wood that sounds hollow and chloe hears it and chloe hears it the only thing that could be more red flag to me in that moment would be if dan would go what i didn't hear anything (laughs) but he did step on the board yeah he did unwillingly i'm assuming if he knows more than he's letting on then why would he step on it Because he's a douche and he wouldn't do it on purpose. I don't know. I just have a really bad feeling about him this whole episode. But still, feelings aside, if we just look at the facts, Dan does get brownie points for joining Chloe's quest for the truth. Yes. Whatever motivations he has. I now agree more with you than in the beginning of the episode that all the different red flags that you pointed out are red flags. But he still stepped on the creaking board. There's only two options. Either he didn't know there was a creaking board and he stepped on it by accident, or he knew there was a creaking board and he stepped on it on purpose. Those are basically the only two options, right? Yeah, I guess. So if he stepped on it on accident, go Dan for helping out Chloe inadvertently and for joining the quest for the truth. If he stepped on it on purpose, oh boy, what the fuck is going on? But that's another thing is that because of this whole entire thing, and that's the issue that Chloe has, it doesn't make sense. The way it is set up right now, from what we know, it doesn't make sense. And his behavior doesn't make sense. And that makes me suspicious. But I like it that we are in the same position as Chloe. We know something is off, but we don't know what. Because so often we as the viewer get put into this omniscient position and then it feels so stupid how slow the characters act because we already know better so i really enjoy that we're left just as much in the dark as chloe is because now hopefully we get to experience it with her which also helps the liking of her character fair that's true so there's that And the most horrible sentence is said in this scene, which I hated the most out of the entire episode, when Chloe says, that's what I have to figure out about the key. And Dan looks at her and says, no, that's what we have to figure out. And I just want to take that key and stick it in his eye and rotate. But it makes sense. He is her husband. He's looking for a connection. Gross. You dislike romance even more than I do, and you do want a relationship opposed to me so you make sense of that i don't dislike romance this is just extremely cringy for me i like romance if it's well done if it's smart they're a married couple with issues there's not much romance there's just cringe also done is done so scene 11 i called finally the proper wings 
Question. Yes. How the fuck did Carmen not prepare for Lucifer to show up? I think he was just way too distracted with the divinity of the wings. He knew that it's Lucifer's wings because he knew from whom the container was. He knew Lucifer wouldn't let it rest and he knew Lucifer would track him down. How the fuck was he not prepared and simply opens the fucking door? He is renting that house under one of his many aliases and I'm assuming that he was maybe was arrogant enough to think that Lucifer wouldn't find him and then that he was so distracted by the wings that he just didn't give a fuck. I was disappointed. I expected more hurdles in the way of Lucifer. I get the episode only has so many minutes. Yeah. I was utterly impressed how amazing the wings look. The picture on the tablet was great. The fake wings at the auction was even greater. And now you have the final actual divinity wings. And how amazing the framing of the scene is when he stands in front of them. They're mine. Yep. It's so good. Right? Oh, yes. Holy shit. Absolutely fucking perfect. Yes. I also like there's not much to do about how it progresses until we cut over to the beach. They could have struggled with other shit. Like he could have used his devil face or whatever. And I'm really, really glad that they didn't. But speaking about the framing, how well it's done in this one scene, we cut over to the beach and Lucifer is sitting between his severed wings. And it's again the same type of blocking in the scene. But this time we see the severed parts and they're lower in relation to his body. So I really like the contradiction between him standing in front of the mounted wings and him sitting in between the severed wings on the floor. I felt like this was done very well from a cinematography point of view. As I said before, I did not see it coming that it was fucking Amanadiel who initiated the entire theft. Though it kind of makes sense, but I did not see it coming and I again forgot it. When it comes to good plot twists, this is one of those things where you don't see it coming, but when you know it, it makes absolute fucking sense. Yes, and this is the third or fourth time that I watched this season and I again forgot that it was him. (laughs) And I really, really enjoyed Amanadiel losing his shit and starting to beat the crap out of Lucifer. Next up, we go back to the precinct. Mm-hmm. And I found the unease and tension of this scene extremely well done. Chloe being somewhere where she's obviously not welcome. And I really enjoyed her game that she is setting up her we need to make sure they do not suspect us and so even though she knows something is iffy she claims to have closed the case which she officially has done but she is not done with the case it's very much chloe it's very chloe it's set up really really nicely but it also feels nice that she doesn't have to do it alone As much as I agree with your raised flags here, it's still nice that Dan is by her side through this so she doesn't have to do this alone. Because Lucifer is not there, which is kind of sad. I have issues with... Again, this is the same guy who is not only Malcolm's partner... And best friend. He's also the asshole who was super unpolite to Chloe and the bar. And gets punched by Lucifer in the face. And the actor's name is Lachlan Monroe. And he is a Canadian actor. Which means he was on Supernatural. What? 
He was in season 12 and I had to have it pointed out by my sister because I knew he looked familiar. Who was he in season 12? He is in one episode playing a partner of Rowena who is taking care of her at certain stage. I do not remember that. Yeah, he's not a memorable character for me either, but his face sticked with me. I remember Sergei as the card dealing Manwich. Well, Manwich is another story because I think he's a Turkish descendant the actor I think and he was an actual character he was an actual character but also he had a very bad strong Irish accent so that's why we remembered him in this household but this guy's face Lachlan Monroe has been on uh, numerous of shows he's been pretty much in every single show when you look at his IMDB he was on every fucking thing that you can even think of. But he was on Supernatural as well. So I think I might try to pick out all the Supernatural actors because as our listeners may not know, we actually met through a Supernatural convention. So that's our base fandom where we started. Well, if you do not know, you probably should read up on how the fuck did they meet? Do we mention Supernatural there or do we just mention the Legends? I don't remember, but this is probably something that we're going to be talking about in the season one recap episode. Yeah, you get to know us a little bit better there, I suppose. Just half a season to wait for more background information on who the fuck are those people and why am I listening to them? Because they're amazing. Scene 14 coming up. We're back at Lux. For me, the saving grace of this scene is give me more maze. Because as much as I enjoy this episode, it is severely lacking in side characters. So I take every second of maze that I can get. I find it extremely interesting that Lucifer is actively trying to release a maze of some kind of vow she made. And she refuses. Like, I signed up for this. I'm doing this. So this for me tells me before she made her vow, she had to have had free will. Because if you do not have free will, you cannot make a vow. I don't think that she lacks free will now. She's bound by honor. Yeah, but she has chosen to take the vow as from her free will, yes. But also, this is connected to our discussion that we had last time. And it gets resolved, which is, yay! Also, we have a song for this scene. It's called Breathe Into Me by Marian Hill. Okay. So I just want to mention that. That's a weird title. It's it's not as much on the nose as the other ones. Is it not, though? No, Breathe Into Me. It is more interpretation. Most of the song titles are very on the nose. And here you have to do some thinking and explaining. It still works, but... Oh, yeah, I see it now. Because I remember writing this down and then I was thinking, mm, what is this? So this is actually a song that goes on playing till the end of the episode. Exactly. It goes into the Malcolm scene. It goes into the Malcolm scene and there it makes more sense. This is actually something that Lucifer does repeatedly, that they use music to transition scenes and I very much enjoy it because it gives a more, again, I'm gonna use your fucking word, organic feel to episodes. And especially in this one, it's really, really well done. Yeah. What I'm extremely curious to see how it works out is maze with the tiny one feather even though my practical brain goes why and how did exactly one tiny fluffy feather survive did maze burn all the other fluffy feathers or was there exactly one left 
or why didn't she save more than one if there was more than one available those are not really relevant it's just my stupid brain going on why though <laughs> but it's a very nice image with her with the silver case absolutely yeah and duh this is gonna be fucking relevant in the future you don't even have to have seen the show to know that this is gonna be fucking relevant in the future so I like how we leave the scene and I actually have to say I kind of wished that the episode ended here it felt more in character with the show with the friendly situation between lucifer and chloe and with mace being to the side and having something in her backhand and with the last scene the family putting the plug and malcolm flatlining and then suddenly coming back to life and a man deal walking away it just leaves us with questions there's no information gained from it there's only questions gained from it and i understand why we put it at the end of the episode and not at the beginning of the next episode because they want to leave us wondering but I would have felt more satisfied after scene 14 also why the fuck would he do that what the fuck is wrong with him Chloe says Malcolm is a bad cop so why yeah my literal note was Ames what did you do you fucking dumbo but yeah for me that last scene was setting up for because for the last two episodes, we were we were moving our overall plot quite a lot. And this is kind of, to me, this last moments are kind of building towards a mini deal becoming the big bad of the season. You actually have a really good point. Because we basically spent the first half of the season setting up the relationship between Chloe and Lucifer and establishing that they're working as partners and Lucifer making sure he has his place with the precinct. And on addition to that, Chloe and Dan getting on a constructive together work base. Mm -hmm. So all of this has been established. Now we need a new focus which in the beginning of the series and now again, we had the Palometto case as relevant. And you're absolutely right. Basically, this is the shift now where we go into the second half of the season, which now most likely is going to focus on the fucking corruption in the precinct. Is it one person? Is it more persons? And also, what is Amenadiel doing now? Is he really going over dead bodies to or undead bodies? Yeah, because bringing people back from the dead. Jesus did that with fucking Lazarus right yeah but it's not a normal thing that angels do so he's putting on some powers that normal angels shouldn't so this is gonna have consequences because everything has shitty consequences so not only we have a corrupt cup we have a corrupt angel no, you're absolutely right so yeah for me it was a lot about that i didn't read it as that and you're right <laughs> i still would have been happier with scene 14 as a closer but it absolutely makes sense yeah Final thoughts on my end. As I said before, I really enjoyed this episode. But it's the first episode I don't have any tensions for. And yet we were recording it for three hours. But still... I feel the absence of Linda and Trixie, but I like that we have more background and source and filling for Dan. And we also get some more depth on Amenadiel. So I enjoyed that, that we have more interactions, especially between Chloe and Dan and Amenadiel and Lucifer. Those two pairings grew a lot. 
I also very much enjoyed the general plot got furthered, which so often in, in this type of show, you have a filler episode and there's no plot progress. And then I get very, very easily frustrated. So this episode is very plot heavy and I enjoyed it. But still, there's so many unanswered questions. So we're still kept guessing. So I'm happy. I'm curious. I had enough points to go like, but what about? And I had enough moments to go like oh this was amazing so overall i'm good i'm happy yep i agree with you on appreciating the overall plots being developed quite a lot and especially i kind of keep putting the last two episodes together because episode six was very very emotional for me and this is kind of a finishing up on that. It's a wrap up of the container theft and the actual consequences of that. And we get to figure out who actually set up the entire theft in the first place. So that's kind of really cool to see that. And again, really, really good thing, and we mentioned it over and over, is that we finally got more information on Palmetto. That was something that we were longing to hear since the pilot so literally for the entirety of the show we have been getting these hints and finally we know a little bit more and we're still not much smarter well, at least now we know that there's some corruption yes and now we know that as we suspected until now now we know that chloe is right as you said, I did miss Trixie and Linda, but overall it was a lot of fun and the amount of puns, including the name, was absolutely amazing. I just really enjoyed the sense of humor that Lucifer is presenting me. Not just Lucifer as a character, but the whole show. Like at the beginning where Mace is drowning the... Sergei? And Lucifer comes in and says, hmm, rough waters, eh? I just fucking love this humor. I just, it's a lot of enjoyment coming through. But that's it for me. And again, as we said before, I'm reminding you to send us your feedback or thoughts or questions or opinions or anything that you have to say about us or about the podcast or about Lucifer in general. We are very, very excited to read what you're going to send us. And thank you for listening. If you want to keep in touch with us or send us any of that feedback, you can do so via Twitter at the Apple of Truth as one word or Instagram at TAOT podcast. And you can use Facebook that can be found under both names. And you can send us an email at lucifer at taot-podcast.com. Our episodes can be found on Spotify and iTunes. And of course, for those of you who want to know if there's any other ways to get involved, besides obviously telling all your friends to listen to this show and send us feedback, you can find us on patreon.com slash taotpodcast. And with this, we bid you good night. Bye! Bye.